Episode 54 Genesis 18 verses 1 to 15 A time for laughter, the son of promise. Chapter 18 begins. Later, the Lord, L-O-R-D, Jehovah, the second person of the Trinity, God incarnate, the God-man Jesus, again appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre. At that time, Abraham was sitting at the door of his tent. It was during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When Abraham saw them, he ran from his tent to meet them. He bowed face down on the ground before them. Abraham has already met the Lord on several occasions and he knows exactly who has come to meet him. As soon as he saw them, he ran right up to them and made the customary bow of obedience. He is showing worship to the Lord and the Lord receives it as such. This has to be soon after the time he was given instructions to circumcise the males because if you remember, the Lord promised that it would be at the same time of the following year that Isaac would be born. Abraham obeyed the order to circumcise and the Lord has returned after his display of obedience. Abraham said, Sir, if you think well of me, please stay a while with me, your servant. Abraham only addresses one of the three. He knows exactly which one is the Lord and it is to him alone that he speaks. The context demands that this is none other than Jehovah mentioned in verse 1 and he is completely aware of it. Verse 4, I will bring some water so all of you can wash your feet. You may rest under the tree. I will get some bread for you, so you can regain your strength. Then you may continue your journey. The three men said, That is fine. Do as you said. The guests agreed to his offer in a simple exchange of words. It's beautiful to imagine that the same Lord who has accepted a meal from Abraham stands and waits for each one of us to offer a similar invitation to him. Verse 6. Abraham hurried to the tent where Sarah was. He said to her, Hurry, prepare twenty quarts of fine flour. Make it into loaves of bread. He was probably so excited about the guests and their promise to stay that it says he hurried into the tent. He's 99 years old and probably skipped like a teenager at the chance to entertain them. And his words to Sarah are as urgent as his steps. He tells her to quickly make things ready. Verse 7. Then Abraham ran to his cattle took one of his best calves and gave it to a servant. The servant hurried to kill the calf and to prepare it for food. Not only did he have Sarah whip together the biggest loaf of bread in town, but he pulled out of his flock a tender and good calf as well. Knowing Abraham and the circumstances, he picked the very best one of all and got it ready. Verse 8. Abraham gave the three men the calf that had been cooked. He also gave them milk curds and milk. While the three men ate, he stood under the tree near them. In the customs of the Mideast, it isn't considered at all menial for the chief of a household to help prepare and serve a meal like this, and it would actually be a breach of respect for him to sit and eat with them. Instead, Abraham stood ready to attend to any and every need the visitors might have. Verse 9. The men asked Abraham, Where is your wife Sarah? There in the tent, said Abraham. If you want to elevate a friendship, you have a meal with that person. A meal is where the impersonal becomes personal. It is where the hidden matter becomes evident. It is where alliances are made, secrets are revealed, and where bonds grow strong. The Lord now asks about Sarah, who is actually the person that the meeting was principally designed to highlight. Abraham has already been given the promise, and he has been obedient, but Sarah has been on the fringes of the narrative. Now she comes into focus, as the lens directs towards her. How do we know this? 
because the question is so direct. Where is Sarah, your wife? The Lord asked for her by name. Abraham's answer to the question, that she is here in the tent, means that she was close enough to hear every word of the conversation. Verse 10. Then the Lord said, I will certainly return to you about this time a year from now. At that time, your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent which was behind him. Verse 11. Abraham and Sarah were very old. Sarah was past the age when women normally have children. By this time in human history, a woman who is 89 years old is too old to bear. Verse 12. So she laughed to herself, My Lord, and I are too old to have a baby. Sarah laughs at the announcement, but not as Abraham did when he was told. Instead, the Bible makes a distinction. Maybe she made the sound with a scrunchy face. Her doubt and laughter is then made clear in her words. Her words don't just implicate her own barren state. They also attempt to do so with Abraham by saying he's too old too. But the miracle is in her womb, not his seed. It's a picture that will be repeated several times in the Bible and culminating in the greatest miracle of all, the conception of Jesus in the womb of a virgin. Sarah's doubt will be replaced by Mary's faith and the Son of God will fill the world with the laughter of joy, not incredulity. With God, all things are possible. But to Sarah's credit, she states that Abraham is her Lord. The faults are forgotten, but that which is noble remains. The Holy Spirit, writing through Peter in chapter 3 of his first letter, gives us something good about Sarah from the account and made her an example of the godly wife through all generations. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. It's good to know that when God forgives a transgression such as in Sarah, it's removed as far from us as the east is from the west. But our notable deeds he will remember for all eternity and adorn us with blessing because of them. Verse 13, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, I am too old to have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, I will return to you at the right time a year from now, and Sarah will have a son. Jehovah speaks, this is God incarnate, it is Jesus. The name Jehovah belongs solely to the Lord and no created being, and because God is unseen, then this is Jesus. No other possibility exists. His words here show both his omniscience and his omnipotence. His omniscience is seen when Sarah laughed and spoke silently, but her words are as if shouted from the housetops, from he who searches hearts and minds, an attribute belonging to God alone and to whom it is ascribed to Jesus in the New Testament. His omnipotence is seen in his exclamation, is anything too hard for Jehovah? The question is rhetorical and demands a negative response. Nothing, oh nothing, is too hard for Jehovah. Verse 15. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. Sin comes at us from different angles, and it is always seizing the opportunity to come out of us in words and actions. Sarah sins for a second time. First she laughed in disbelief at the promise of the Lord, and then she lies. 
One sin often leads to another, and in this case it was because of fear. She was afraid. The Lord showed that he knew what was otherwise unknowable, and she recoiled from it. And this doubt isn't unique in the world. Instead, it's the standard. God has spoken out the pages of the Bible which verify, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he is aware of all things. But we add sin to sin by denying his word, even in the face of overwhelming evidence. The Bible is so absolutely accurate in all that it details that we are left without any excuse at all. But out of fear, fear because of our own sin, we try to hide the evidence and deny it exists. Matthew Henry says that one sin commonly brings in another, and it is not likely we shall strictly keep to the truth when we question the divine truth. Fortunately for Sarah, her failure to keep the truth passed behind her, and now she stands on that divine truth, as is recorded for us in Hebrews. We too can exchange our body of death, which is brought on by sin, for life, which is available because of Jesus' death. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Hallelujah and Amen.